Hi, and welcome back to Second Chance Cinema with MC and Spro. It's me, your review reader, Rudy. Today I'll be reading a review for Peppermint by William Bibiani. I feel good about that. Jennifer Garner kicks butt in a modest, effective revenge thriller with some disturbing subtext. The revenge genre might look straightforward, but it's fundamentally complex. Revenge, in and of itself, is not a quote-unquote good thing. Never has been, never will be. But in simplified stories, watching a victim destroy the people who ruined their lives does provide some form of catharsis. The question, then, is whether the movie celebrates the immorality of the protagonist, or goes too far in demonizing the villains, or fails to acknowledge the traumatic reality behind the crime that set these events in motion. Peppermint tries to navigate this perilous tightrope and struggles to avoid falling into the pitfalls of the genre. It's a fiercely directed thriller, with a performance from Jennifer Garner that should, by all rights, remind the world that she is a formidable action star. It's a simplified tale of revenge against drug cartels that shows Garner killing a lot of people of color, but also tries to take the curse off of it by turning her violently loose against corrupt bureaucrats who enable organized crime. And it treats Garner's protagonist like a tragic individual forced into action, as opposed to a flippant psychopath who falls in love with murder. Jennifer Garner has been trapped for many years in nondescript maternal roles in films like Nine Lives, The Odd Life of Timothy Green, and Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. And she looks like she's been itching for a fight. She brings an eager, frustrated determination to every action sequence and proves, as if she needed to, that she should have been a gigantic action movie star this whole time. And yet, it's difficult to watch Peppermint or any revenge movie that doesn't rise completely above the worst impulses of the genre without being tempted to reject it. It's still a movie in which an aggrieved suburbanite becomes a, a victim of non-white criminals and embarks on a vigilante killing spree that the movie ultimately decides, to a meaningful degree, was quote-unquote heroic. And that's going to be off-putting to some audiences. But for those who appreciate the genre and glom on to Peppermint's attempts to stave off its own ugliness, there's a capable action movie to be found here. It's not blasé or assumed by its violence, like Eli Roth's Death Wish, nor does it seem eager to weaponize its audience's prejudice into rah-rah celebrations of knee-jerk fear-mongering. Again, like Eli Roth's d Death Wish. It's an effective thriller, an inherently complicated milieu, and although it's bound to evoke conversations about its content, those are conversations that we need to have. Verdict. Whether you find it exciting or troubling might vary from person to person. But either way, Jennifer Garner delivers a standout performance that demands recognition and will hopefully lead to better action movie roles for the actor in the future. Welcome to Second Chance Cinema. <laughs> I'm your host, uh, MC. I am Sprout. We're here to talk about a movie that um, features the stunning talents of Jennifer Garner as one of our favorite types of characters on the show, Vigilante. Uh, and I say that because as we looked back kind of at our roster of episodes, we've got movies like Death Sentence, Four Brothers, what was the other one? Law-abiding Law citizen. citizen. All about people who've been either wronged by the system or who are just kind of out for justice and, you know, take matters into their own hands. Now, you said that you love the Vigilante genre. Yes, I definitely like the revenge film Revenge film. That's Revenge what you film. Said. Like Man on Fire is my favorite, but like when you come to like horror movies, like The Hills Have Eyes, The Last House on the Left, I Spit on Your Grave, like those are all great horror movies. Okay, what is it about the revenge film that I think it's like, that, that twirls your beanie? Wasn't that like the Count of Monte Cristo? Like, isn't like revenge film like the the genre itself is kind of like all back to like if you get wronged, like get your get your comeuppance. I, I always take it back to Eye for an Eye. I mean, but. 
Because you're one of the most chill dudes I know. <laughs> Although, maybe that's the exterior facade. I'm the it. Jennifer Gardner of the world. <laughs> maybe that's the exterior facade that, um, you know, there's a mind of, of, of revenge. I've been pretty cool to you, right? I don't have any revenge. Yeah, no. Okay, good. good. Yeah, but I think, like, the whole thing, like, the revenge thing isn't just, it's like one person is wronged, mm-hmm. and then they wrong back, like, everybody in their, like, that's what I love about it, is like that. It's usually, like, a group of people that feel like they could get away with something because they got strength in numbers but they're the bad people mm-hmm. you know and then like the good person gets wronged mm-hmm. doesn't need the strength in numbers just as with their mind and wits and cunning are able to develop themselves into a revenge machine revenge machine there's a good vigilante <laughs> movie that hasn't been written yet so yeah absolutely i think um Again, you know, the ones that we've done on this show, because Second Chance Cinema is dedicated to the under-the-radar movies, not at the kind of level of popularity as, like, the Boondock Saints or The Crow or Falling Down, things like that. Uh, Kill Bill, you know, but again, sort of like what you said, it's one person against the world, more mm. or, less, or I guess two people in the case of the Boondock Saints, one entity. It's kind of like growing up in Cleveland, right? Cleveland against the world? I guess. I never really understood that. Like, does the world care so much about Cleveland that we I don't need think to be they against? like us. No? <laughs> no. Ah, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I mean, come come hang out with us for a couple <laughs> days. You might change your opinion. So anyway, the movie we're talking about is Peppermint, and we're recording on the day after Thanksgiving, so Peppermint is a very seasonally appropriate movie to be discussing right now as we head into the holidays. Starring Jennifer Garner as a woefully wronged mother who takes matters into her own hands and just really just fucks some shit up. This is a movie that when it came out, I remember seeing the trailers for it and thinking, wow, this looks pretty badass. Like I'm like you, I'm a I'm a fan of a good revenge flick. And I thought this looks pretty badass. I didn't get a chance to see it in the theaters and then kind of forgot about it. Saw it years and years and years and years later. This came out in 2018. No, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. Wait a minute. (laughs) I thought this movie came out. This came out September 7th, 2018. Hold on. This is the Wikipedia for the the species of mint peppermint. I'm looking. Holy shit. You're right. What movie am I thinking about? (laughs) Well, I still did see the trailer and did think it looked awesome, but didn't see it in the theater. So I guess maybe it was just take out the years and years and years part of my remembrance. And um, so I guess thanks. Netflix popped it up there pretty quickly. Well, I mean, COVID like, COVID felt like four years long. Maybe that's what I'm doing. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe COVID, maybe there's just this block of COVID. Maybe. So anyway, Peppermint, a more recent film than I thought, stars Jennifer Garner, who, of all the vigilantes we've discussed so far, like they're all kind of, well, they're all guys, except, no, except the bride. But even she was more like, because she was wronged pretty bad. But the whole style of that movie, sort of, it, she was she was more of a superhero. Whereas... In Peppermint, Jennifer Garner's just her acting, her facial expressions, her the, the way she would was sobbing and crying and stuff. Like I was on her team this whole movie because it was like that woman is broken and I just want to go give her a hug and then turn her loose on the Garcia cartel. Jennifer Garner is weird just because like she's so sweet, like she seems like such a sweet person, but yet she's like also on the other side of the spectrum is like complete badass. Like I don't think there's another actress out there that's well because like, you think back to like Alien. Right, that was kind of mm-hmm. her breakout thing, and, and she was—that's what she wasn't a vigilante, but she was like a superhero essentially. And yeah, she just like well, you have her turn as Electra, you know? Oh yeah, forgot about that. But she had like the best scene of the whole thing with like Evanescence, like playing in the background. We could talk about that later. <laughs> you think that was the best scene of the whole movie? Of those movies, I think Bullseye on the plane with the old lady that he flicks a peanut into her mouth and chokes her. <laughs> I think that was the best scene of the. Or no, him playing darts was pretty good too. Yeah, I mean nothing about. Ben Affleck as Daredevil was the best. So I mean, like, I mean, we, that's maybe a movie for another time, another discussion for another. We time could about try Daredevil. To like, I don't, I don't hate Daredevil. I, I don't, don't hate, know if I hate it. I don't know if I have an opinion of it. But it, like, we should like challenge ourselves one time and be like, maybe here's like, a movie that everybody- can we turn this into lemonade? <laughs> let's yeah, see, let's see. But anyway, she so so Jennifer Garner, in my opinion, was a very human character in this movie, even when she was stringing up cartel enforcers from ferris wheel <laughs> like, and again it just kind of goes back to her what you look like you just had a an epiphany well, her family was shot at the carnival right yeah so that's why she chose the ferris yeah wheel. oh yeah <laughs> 
You didn't catch that? Okay, well, good. Spro helped me understand why the movie was called Peppermint, because the little girl orders peppermint ice cream, which I completely missed. And I've just illuminated one of the um, the little Easter egg yeah. details for him. So, good. All right. So, we're, we're even. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into our discussion. Before we do that, though, we're going to... Um, we're going to revisit the longest standing tradition in Second Chance Cinema history, other than the fact that it's both of us talking into microphones. That's the longest tradition. And the computer. And the computer. <laughs> oh, yeah. This computer is basically an artifact. <laughs> like, yeah. One of these days when we get more than a half dozen listeners, this computer will be worth a lot of money. That's going to the Smithsonian. Smithsonian, <laughs> right next to Oscar the Grouch and Dorothy's <laughs> Shoes and all that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't call them the Ruby Slippers. I call them Dorothy's <laughs> Shoes. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to bring up the Wheel of Poetry here. On the Wheel of Poetry, we have six different types of poem that we are going to... uh, We're going to land on one, and we're going to write verbal tribute to this movie, describing our journey with Jennifer Garner as Riley North, which I thought was a pretty badass name, Mm -hmm. while the trailer plays in the background. So, our choices. Haiku, ABAB, Limerick, Song Parody... Toast slash roast and acrostic. So we're going to spin the wheel. We're going to see which one we land on. We're going to play the trailer. I think we can like pull back the curtain. We've already spun the wheel and landed on haiku. I, 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 look, I don't appreciate your condescending tone. I made a mistake, okay? No, no, no. It's old technology. I don't blame you. Truth. We did spin the wheel already and we landed on um, haiku. So we'll play the trailer here. Who's my girl? My girl has love in her heart, and snow in her eyes, and peppermint in her blood. Happy birthday, kiddo. Mrs. Norris? I'm very sorry for your loss. We have three suspects in custody, but they're all linked to the Garcia cartel. No witnesses have been willing to step up. These cartels are no joke. They've got everyone in their pockets. You've been through a terrible tragedy. Maybe you didn't see what you think you saw. That's him. Maybe you've made a mistake. Number three, number five, number four. They did it. Is it possible that your recollection isn't what you thought it was? The evidence is insufficient to hold the defendants over for trial. You think that you're going to have justice? Make them all pay. Five years ago, Riley North just disappeared. Completely off the grid. So she spends the last five years doing what? Training. Well, that's new. You honestly think Riley North did this? Today's the five-year anniversary of her family's murder. She's back. Judges, dirty cops. What do I want? I want justice. It's not a coincidence that makes this area low crime. It is low crime because of her. Somebody's doing something. Find her. I don't care if you have to burn the city down. Watching someone take everything from you, it turns you into somebody else. Social media is lit up with support for her. She's a multiple homicide suspect. Not to them, she's not. Out, man, and now gone. How you really think this is gonna go? I will kill every one of you. And then I'll pretty much wing it from there. And now we're back for our poems. So, um, we landed on haiku. You wanna go first? Sure. All right. All right. Spro's haiku about. Peppermint. 575 with the syllables. Correct. For those of you who who might not be familiar with Japanese haiku poetry, it is five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. What is a mother? She who will love you always, killing all in her way. That was very meaningful and poetic. (laughs) Mine is not. (laughs) Mine reads, Jennifer Garner, vigilante badass mom. What's in your wallet? (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So I went a little off the rails on that. But let's talk about Peppermint. So Peppermint starts with the story of kind of a typical suburban family. 
mother, father, daughter. Does not start that way. How does it start? It starts with you thinking two people are getting lucky in a car. The fun thing about like the sequence, though, like this movie jumps at right. first, like kind of like all That's around. right. So I meant more like the the narrative of Peppermint or the, <laughs> the, the journey of Peppermint. But you're right. So doesn't start, but focuses on the family. What was it? the North family? Mm-hmm. North. The North family, mother, father, daughter. And we learn that the father, whose name I don't remember, who's the actor I don't recall, is, is presented with an opportunity to become involved in some drug cartel dealings, I suppose, to make money. Mm-hmm. It's well, a robbery. It's a situation where it's like, oh, the family's struggling at home, and it was a guy he works with is like, hey, we're running this caper. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't call it a caper. Maybe he should have. We're going to rob the MS-13 cartel. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're running a caper, and... Um, so he he thinks about it, and then he ultimately decides not to be involved with this heist. And that is cause for the cartel to come after him and murder him, his daughter, and seemingly his wife. Now, here's what I don't get. And I've never dealt with any cartels, to my knowledge. But is backing out of a robbery, like almost on the spot. Like it was like a day, it was like less than 24 hours later, I feel like he was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Like he basically reaffirmed the fact that this cartel is dangerous and he doesn't want to fuck with them, right? Like yeah. he's like, I'm, th- this is this is a terrible idea. These guys are way too badass. I don't want to mess with them. And they kill him anyway. <laughs> like kind of as like, a, you shouldn't have even thought about it, <laughs> right? And, and they do it as like a warning. I think one of the cops or something says like, that's what you get for even thinking about messing with the Garcia cartel or something. Right. But I feel like that's that really sucks for that the dad because as soon as it, it because their logic is that as soon as it was mentioned to him, now he's on the hook, right? Well, like who knows like who knows who the guy when he was like, "Yeah, I'll help you out with this." Like sounds like a good idea or whatnot. That guy turns around and goes like, "We got him in." You know, so then it's like, "Okay, the people that are going to rob us are these four guys, you know, like, and whether so or not he backs out. So you don't think the cartel knows that he was like, time out. I've thought about yeah. this, guys. It's not the best thing for my future. Yeah, th- all they got was, these are the guys that are going to try and rob us. That's fair. That's That makes sense. Because I kept thinking the whole time, like, is there a guy in the cartel <laughs> whose job it is to keep tabs on these things? Like, to keep tabs on, well, let's see what we got on the docket today. Oh, it looks like this guy's going to rob us. Uh, this guy's going to help him. This guy's going to help him. This guy's going to, oh, no, wait, that guy backed out. And then he's got to go to the boss and be like, so here are my thoughts. Let me just let me just run this up the flagpole. See what you think. Well, that's a fun thing of like not the fun thing, but like when you think about like that's the, the car- great part about cartels. <laughs> but like when you think about cartels and and the mafia and all this stuff, like there is a lot of math that goes. There's a lot of like computing and accounting and like it's just like, like in uh, office space when he says like how come all these big dumb mafia guys can be so good at crime and we're so bad at it? Right. Like, yeah. Like there's like a whole like if you think about like when they're talking about shipping, right? And he's like, you lose one ship, you know that that might be a mistake. You lose two, and we start like worrying about this. This kind of stuff and it's like all the shit that goes into logistics and shipping and ports and stuff like there's a lot of like business that has to go so do you it. think like you're describing exactly like almost like a small business like a yeah. startup company like do you think they i think they have three ring binders i think they're like keep like, going yeah this like is, the, <laughs> i mean like is the, there an hr person in the mafia i think so there's know, got like, or the in, organization in the, in the, in the cartels like there's got to be is there like a handbook or like a there definitely An is like handbook or I mean, there's a hierarchy, right? So they all right. know, like, and then there's like a rule for every level, and it's kind of like this is your job responsibilities. This is what we expect from you. You know, see, that's like, a good question. Like in the mafia, or I should that say, are not all bad, right? I was gonna say what we like to say on this show. If you read about things that the mafia has done, some of them fairly terrible, but learned a new thing. What? Brought the first iron lung to Cleveland. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we like to say in the show, The Mafia, they're not that bad. Not all bad. Or do we say it's not that bad? Not all bad? Not all bad. Not all bad? Yeah. Do we say The Mafia with them or it's? Because The Mafia is the entity, kind of, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's not that bad or whatever. They're not not that bad. bad. (laughs) If you guys are listening, we're big fans. We'll say that. But anyway, so so the drug cartel decides to put a hit out on her husband uh, or the, the whole family. The whole family, really, too. Like, you would think that... Like, that's excessive. Yeah. Right? I kind of thought the daughter got in the way, kind of like the beginning of Face Face Off. Off. Yeah. So you think it was more incidental than than deliberate? I mean, they're just spraying bullets. I suppose, yeah. I mean, but they... I I don't know. There's a lot of... And see, that's another thing, is we talk about the logistics of, of... 
the drug cartel like you had to have we didn't bring up why they're all alone at the carnival because oh, of the suburban oh, mom <laughs> holy shit you're right you tell it this makes me sad you tell it so jennifer gardner gets into an altercation in the parking lot and a suburban mom like i, I don't even know how to explain because i was like i was like it's almost unbelievable but i could totally see it happening well the birthday party right yeah so the mom like schedules something on the daughter's birthday party to take all the friends away and then blame it completely on Jennifer on Riley North. Might be the most Karen character that we have discovered on Second Chance Cinema. I can't think of another one and, off the top of my head. And her daughter says, you should have just, I told you, you should have just punched Karen in the nose. Yeah, that's right. So the bitchy, she's not a friend. She's like the bitchy neighbor or something. Yeah, deliberately schedules a birthday party to take friends away from Riley North's little daughter. Carly. Carly. And then they go to the fair to kind of like have a night out as a family instead. And then they get murdered. And it's just like, (laughs) man, as I was thinking of how to justify Jennifer Garner and like I'm on Jennifer Garner's team this whole way, I completely forgot about that bitch. And, and how she just like, man, calling the sympathy and her, that's the scene where she goes into her house to like stitch herself up or whatever. Fucking great. <laughs> so Jennifer Garner and her family are gunned down at the carnival. Jennifer Garner survives. She wakes up in a hospital and she is told that her family didn't make it. She's, she's told the suspects are in custody. She's about to go ID them. And then it just kind of turns to shit. Now in death sentence and law abiding citizen, no, in death sentence, he deliberately lets the kid off, yeah. right? Because he's like, he sees that the smarmy lawyer prick is going to give like an argument to get the kid two years, guaranteed time, whatever he says. Kevin Bacon's like, are you fucking kidding me? He killed my son. So he deliberately lies to um, let the kid out so that he can go hunting. Now, in this movie, Jennifer Garner gets put on the stand. And this is when I kind of like fell in love with the character where she's like, she's being badgered by the lawyer and she's just in this like emotional turmoil and she just breaks down. And this fucking dick judge too, this fucking boomer judge is just like, he's like reprimanding her for being emotional on the stand, talking about her her dead family. Right. That's when it got me like, oh, I, I hope she strings these fuckers up from the ferris wheel so what happens is did they get off or did they just get like a light sentence or something they got off i mean because she disappeared for five years and then yeah, she came the, back well the judge is like not enough evidence or yeah like you we're were the only witness and it was dark and all and that it was bullshit. like a grand jury thing so he's like we're not even taking this to trial like, okay there's yeah. just not enough evidence for this did we find out that he's on the cartel's payroll? Yeah. Okay. Like, it was pretty much all everybody was. We find that, obviously, their lawyer is is on the payroll, and he's a big piece of shit. The judge... Basically, it's the world against Jennifer Garner. She is Cleveland in this <laughs> in this scenario, which is interesting because she was great in draft day as well. Yep. Right? I, I met her at the draft day really? rap party. Yeah, because... Do tell. Uh, I didn't know that. So, Kevin Costner has a band. Did you know that? I knew that. Kevin Costner, when he does a movie, likes to play the rap party with his band and so they did the rap party at the brothers lounge uh on like right off of west 117th street in cleveland okay the brothers lounge owner was friends with my father and so my father was like what are you doing on this date it was actually my one year anniversary with the girl that i was dating at the time and i was like uh it's my one year and he's like we're gonna go to kevin costner's draft day rap party and i was like bro that's like a great one year anniversary (laughs) that's a hell of a date so yeah so we took and then jennifer garner was at the bar listening to kevin costner play and whatnot and so we got to saddle up and just say hi and like really look forward to the movie thank you for coming to cleveland she's like oh i love cleveland and so and that's, really that's my jennifer gardner that's awesome super sweet just as sweet in real life as she is so during draft, her sweet moments draft day things. actually was years and years ago right it was like 2013 or something it would be my one year so yeah 2013 or 24 yeah two okay so this was long before peppermint so i didn't know that yeah what a good story <laughs> So she is confronted by the lawyer at her house as she's like packing up, getting ready to move. The lawyer tries to slip her some cash to kind of like buy her off. Then the lawyer goes after her memory and like, oh, you've been through so much trauma. Who knows if what you're saying is true kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Then he goes after her antipsychotic medication, which I mean, you know, she's taking because she just saw her family killed in front of her. And that's kind of how like you realize that her lawyer is not because that's a clear objection, right? Like in court. He did. Did he do that in court too? I'm talking about yeah. when he's at her house and he like picks up the pills. Yeah, he, and he's that's like, when he starts. Oh, he brought her. it up. He, he goes to her house first before court. Mm-hmm. He goes to her house first before court and like you know picks up all these like clues that he can use to discredit her. And then man, what a douchebag! Like that was he and the judge in that movie. Like man, 
couple of douchebags. The story kind of breaks for a while, and then five years later, we come back, and all these people who are involved with her case, the gang members, the lawyer, are all turning up dead. And one of the brilliant cops... (laughs) surmises, hey, wait a minute, isn't this the five-year anniversary of the death of her um, husband and daughter? And they kind of connect the dots and realize, like... Well, that was the FBI agent. They're like, we don't need the FBI here. And she's like, today's the five-year anniversary. And oh, like, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the two guys were the cops and the girl was the FBI mm-hmm. agent and she kind of connected the, connected the dots. They all realize, oh, shit, she's back. And she's, like, coming for justice. And then we just get this, like, string of... I wouldn't call them grisly, but, like deliberate and violent murders of all the people who wronged her. So we've talked several times about her stringing the gang members up from the Ferris wheel, which I logistically, I don't even know how that happens. That had to take a long time. I feel like that would have taken a long time. Because I was thinking about, I was like, because right off the bat, like this got 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, right? Like the critics hated this Criminal, criminal. And I was like, so as I was watching, I was like, let me think of all the ways that the critics like hated this movie. And one of them was her going up on the, stringing them up on the Ferris wheel. The critics being like, Jennifer Gardner can't type men to the Ferris wheel and lift them up or whatever. Right. So I was like, let me argue for Jennifer Gardner. If the Ferris wheel is down, right, and Mm -hmm. she just attaches the rope, and then when it goes up, they're going to be in the midpoint when they're hanging there. That's fair. For me, it wasn't a, like, oh, a woman couldn't string up three guys thing. It was more just like, that would take a really long time no matter who you are. Like, assuming she didn't do it the way you just described, which would be really brilliant. I don't know what it takes to operate a Ferris wheel if you need a special key or a code or something like that. But I think we're led to believe that in the five years she was gone, she learned everything. She basically became Batman. Yeah. Like, she learned everything about everything. She took some MMA classes. <laughs> she uh, she learned about guns. And we can just add Ferris wheel maintenance to that, too. Yeah. I well, think. she probably was obsessed with the carnival. That's a good point. Yeah. She strings up the gang members. That's the first thing of- you see is her shooting somebody dead in the face in the car. Who was that? Uh, one of the gang members, I think. It's the first scene. <laughs> you don't remember me, do you? Fuck you! Fuck Right. Oh, right. Because she kills him before she strings him up. Yeah. yeah. She didn't. She kills him before she strings him up. And then that's kind of what draws attention to the murders and, and, and the FBI and the cops all figure out what's going on. Then she starts picking off people like the judge, which that was my favorite. She goes into the judge's house, ties him up in his den. She stabs his hand to the desk and wires him with all the C4. Well, that's so I looked it up. <laughs> Dead cord, right? Oh, that's right. It was C4 rope, like, yeah. like exploding rope. Which I was like, is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally is a thing. So she ties him up with a bomb, basically. She uses a bomb to tie him to the chair and says, Did you betray your oath, your honor? I think that you're so goddamn corrupt, I don't even stand out. So, here's the deal. If you can tell me my name, I'll let you live. I mean, you'll lead out of a tube the rest of your life, but you'll live. You ready? Do you remember my name? Well, I think she was also proving the case that it wasn't just her that he wronged. You know, oh, like, right. Yeah, he's yeah. like a corrupt judge. Corrupt so judge like, through and through. I can't come up with your name because I've wronged so many people. And right. It's like, all right, well then. The it's, cool thing about dead cord, right? Tell me. That the fuse is the explosive. What do you mean? Detonating cord. Also called detonation cord, data cord, dead cord, primer cord, or sun cord. is a thin flexible plastic tube usually filled with pentarithrotol tetanitrite, PETN, pentrite. With the PETN exploding at a rate of approximately 6,400 meters per second, or 21,000 feet per second, any common length of detonation cord appears to explode instantaneously. It's a high-speed fuse which explodes rather than burns, and is suitable for detonating high explosives. The detonation velocity is sufficient to use it for synchronizing multiple charges to detonate almost simultaneously even if the charges are placed at different distances from the point of initiation. It is used to reliably and inexpensively chain together multiple explosive charges. Typical uses include mining, drilling, demolition, and warfare. I don't know if I... 
It's like 75% of that sunk in. I, I understand maybe like 70, 70 to 75% of that. But I was like, when that came up, I was like, why has this never appeared in an action movie before? I've heard Primer Chord before, but I couldn't tell you where. I've heard Primer Chord and it must have been like a, you know, Stallone or Schwarzenegger movie. But for probably me. not to kill somebody, right? Like to like level a building or... Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so what we've learned about Debt Court is that you don't want to be wrapped in it. <laughs> And you just, you definitely don't want to be wrapped in it by someone who you've wronged in a completely insidious way years and years ago who has now become Batman, essentially. Yeah. So she takes him out. I like the little moment she has before she takes him out, though. She, like, thinks about... Yeah. On the bus? Like, she's like, should I make this phone call? And then she goes, yeah. Do you think she really, like, doubted doing it? I think so. Jennifer Garner, I believe in her acting. So on the bus, she... And was on the bus where she meets the um, mm-hmm. the alcoholic mm-hmm. and the kid. So that was another just, like, yeah, let's just throw this in there, too, to show what a, like, a badass with a heart of gold she is. But it also foreshadows that the, she's the Skid Rose protector. Right. Right? Right. And that storyline is basically there's an abusive alcoholic father with his kid on the bus and she does she do it right then or does it happen later in the, in the convenience store yeah, right after right so she follows him into the convenience store where he's trying to buy beer and beats him up and tells the <laughs> the poor clerk if you ever sell beer to this guy again i'll kill you or something <laughs> like that and then does she steal the clerk's car or the guy's car she doesn't steal she buys rents. it or whatever, yeah. She said this is I guess rental. it must have been the clerk because the father was on the bus, right? she's doing this all with $55,000. Which she stole from the bank that she works at. <laughs> now, I don't know anything about Interpol or um, capturing fugitives who've left the country or anything like that. My question is, how, how long do you wait to give up on something like that? Because clearly it was her who stole the money from the bank. The bank yeah. knows everything about her. She's an employee there for a long time, I think they said. So uh-huh. they know that she's, like, they know who she is. They know her face, probably fingerprints, social security, all that stuff. So I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't go after her or like try. It depends on what country she's in. You know, it's like Edward Snowden. Like he went off to, what was it, Japan first and Russia because there's no extradition. The other thing, as I'm saying this out loud, that money was definitely insured. So maybe they were just like, ah, fuck it. We'll collect the insurance. We'll collect the insurance check and we'll let her. You know what? She got us. (laughs) Egg Egg on our face. If you know what she's about to do to anybody that that's a good gotta... point. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested to talk to a bank manager about that. You've got connections at bank managers that you've uh, set up, not real robberies, but. Maybe it's Peppermint 2. Maybe. U.S. Bank. <laughs> Peppermint 2. J.P. Morgan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all with $55,000, which I suppose would go a long way in a, you know, kind of like, I think it's implied that she goes to several third, like third world off the grid places mm-hmm. kind of so that might go a long way and lasted her five years and then um we get introduced to the cop to the cops <clears throat> the one guy i know from one of the fast and the furious movies i don't remember which one not the one in tokyo and then the other guy who they really heavy-handedly tried to make it seem like so there's a swerve one of the cops is dirty and mm-hmm. is working with the cartel but it's not who you think it is is kind of how i read it like the whole time they were so heavy-handed and like like showing the i guess you'd call him like the red herring as like he was brooding and they would the camera would stay on him for a second after the other guy walked away and you were like oh he's thinking something like Mm -hmm. he's oh he's a no good he's a he's he's a ne'er-do-well you know he's 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 the bad guy then psych it turns out to be the other guy who's the i didn't get that feeling Really? Maybe because I don't I don't know where else I've seen this guy, but he played like he looks like Fred Armisen. Maybe that's it. He feels, are you thinking of Fred Armisen? He's feeling like a little SNL. The actor is John Ortiz, but in his like what you would know him from is Silver Linings Playbook. Only saw. Oh once. yeah, he was in that. American Gangster. I don't remember him in that. Nope. Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. I have not revisited that one. Nope. And then Fast and Furious. Yeah. Uh, which, he, played, he played Braga. But I don't think any of those I would have been like, I trust this man and everything he does from henceforth. But Like it was almost a, like a wink and a nod. And when I, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, hmm, they're either like really just hitting me with a brick to the face with this guy, which is fine because, you know, I'm still enjoying this, or they're really, really selling the fake. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. But John Gallagher, the guy that plays Stan Carmichael, the the bad one. Right. They were really like giving him like the funny lines, right? Like they're like, this right. is if they Dane Cook up- was a cop. Right. He's <laughs> a he's like a non-threatening he's like a non-threatening secondary character. And it turns out to be him who's in line with the 
Garcia cartel. Mm -hmm. So the goal of Jennifer Garner here is to make it all the way to the head of the snake, which is often the case. She like blows away this entire backroom operation of the cartel. Great scene with her just like, again, like her Jennifer Garner wielding the guns is like totally believable. Yeah. Well, that's what like, as I was watching this, I was like, if you like John Wick, you're going to love this movie. Right. It's not like a super stylish action movie or super stylized action movie. Yeah. Because like even so like the scene that you're talking about in the store, she jumps over the shelving unit. Right. To land right behind the guy and then just pops him as soon as he turns around. But, mm-hmm. like, the way that she jumps over it, you're like, yeah, totally. Good job. <laughs> right. Because she play like, she doesn't have, it's kind of like the, like the John Wick thing where he reloads the gun. Yeah. Like, it, it's not, like, John Wick has become increasingly. Cartoonish. Yeah. Not, I don't want to say ridiculous, but, like. Yeah, kind of ridiculous cartoonish. But I remember that was a big thing when it first came out. It was like, oh, finally, the fucking hero takes time to reload the guns. And like there and shit happens while he's doing it. And switch guns like, oh, I'm, right. That guy's across the room. I'm going to use my rifle. This exactly. guy's close up. I'm going to use my handgun. So there was a um, so it's like a humanized kind of superhero, mm-hmm. which is which to me was very endearing. Again, going back to the fact that like 30 minutes ago, you saw her crying on the witness stand and, and just like bawling about how much how upset she is about her daughter and her husband and then now she's like certified badass but she's also like new at this yeah <laughs> like this is her first first job as a vigilante well and she's right? bleeding and like right going like she is dying right <laughs> right, her, right, her right, eyes. right because at the end of that whole scene she fi- she confronts diego right and she has him dead to rights and then his daughter comes in and she has that moment of hesitation and right he, he that's like it reminded me of training day when uh ethan hawk goes to the apartment and the little kids there you see what i see officer hoy <laughs> Protect life. <laughs> Miho. Yeah. <laughs> that whole that whole scene reminded me of that. I, but in I, the same way, like, you have that kind of, like, moral quandary to yourself as a viewer watching it. You're like, just shoot him? <laughs> like, in front of his daughter? Because oh, this yeah. is kind of what we're here for? You know, like, but that's wrong. Like, you should have that thought as an audience member. I don't know. I would be, I, I don't want to say be pissed at the kid, but I'd probably be like, come on. <laughs> like, now. like you're Turn gonna... around, earmuffs. Yeah, earmuffs. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I wanted to, I wanted to um, skim the Wikipedia of Peppermint real quick. And so I Googled Peppermint. And the first, you know how Google does the thing where it's like, it'll, it'll give you like five questions that people have asked about uh-huh. it. See that? Do you know what the first one is? Why is it called Peppermint? Nope. <laughs> Nope, that was my question. The first question is, is Peppermint based on a true story? <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess. A lot, yes. of movies, a lot of movies that I don't know are based on real stories exist. Peppermint is not. Peppermint is not based on a true story. What are the five questions? Actually, there's five more. So that one, that one was the lead question. Why is Peppermint called Peppermint? We should do this every should, with every movie because we should are, make sure we answer the six top questions. These are great. So okay, is the Peppermint movie based on a true story, bro? No. no. Why is Peppermint called Peppermint? Because the daughter orders peppermint ice cream right before she dies. Does Netflix have peppermint? No. You have to rent it from Amazon at three ninety nine. Okay. <laughs> what is Peppermint the movie about? This is a challenging one. That's Does... what this episode is about. Keep listening. Keep listening. <laughs> Why is peppermint rated R? Gratuitous violence. Not gratuitous. Violence. Strong violence and language throughout. And is peppermint a sad movie? Yes. At times. Yeah. At times. But it's a revenge. Like, you're sad. Like, the uncomfortableness always has to happen at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Like, you have to get the audience on your side to be like, oh, okay, we're on board. Let's go get our revenge. And she did that. Yeah. It's her her face. It's her facial expressions and her just, like, the sincerity of her turmoil. Mm -hmm. Like, I bought it. Like, I, I didn't cry at this movie, but if I was in a more fragile state of mind when I watched it... I probably could have. I got angry with yeah. her. You oh, know, yeah, like yeah, at yeah. the stand, like, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Y'all could have prevented this. Yeah. You guys are dicks <laughs> is basically what it was. And now you're going to get wrapped up in debt court and you're going to, your head's going to explode. So the one of the cool things I thought was, and this actually makes more sense now that I know that it came out in 2018, the final shootout, it's down at like, was it on Skid Row? Mm-hmm. Or they, so they came after her. Like she, there was a scene where she goes to the bad guy's compound or whatever, mm-hmm. escapes, and then they... They, like, bring the fight to her or whatever. Well, because the FBI person finds her. Finds her, yeah. And then that's, that's when you know that Carmichael is bad because he just takes care of the FBI agent. Right. So the FBI agent um, gets killed at the hands of the dirty cop who then alerts the cartel to her lo- to 
Peppermint's location. That's not her name. <laughs> to Peppermint's <laughs> location. That's what I thought the whole time. That's not her name, though. To Riley North's location. Um, and they had this big shootout. And the part that was cool was that she, somehow she live streamed it. Yeah, like, I think she, she either video took a video called the and news. called the news. Right. She's like, there, that guy's a corrupt cop, which was hilarious to me. Like, <laughs> hey, see this asshole? Corrupt cop. Like, it was just very, like, I don't know. It was very gotcha. If you have a news crew, come on down. And if you have a cell phone and you want to come and take videos, come on down. And if you are the LAPD, this is where the party is. I'm not going anywhere. Come and get me. I'm Riley North. I'm in Skid Row. I'm the winner of Olympic in San Julian. Well, and I like that because, like, they were like, what's his face from Fast and Furious? He was putting it all together, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he was almost there. And he's like, ah, you know, Ice-T can't get a hold of Car... Or not, Method Man can't get a hold of Carmichael. So- I forgot Method Man. <laughs> yeah. So Method Man can't get a hold of Carmichael. I can't get a hold of Carmichael. Something's fishy here. And then he, like, looks up and on the TV. And on the TV. <laughs> and Riley North is like, this is everything you need to know. Right, right. <laughs> It would have been better if he was standing with his back to the TV and sort of like putting the puzzle together as it's going on up there. Like, hmm, mm, if I was Riley North, where would I be right where is, now? No, where is Riley? Where is Carmichael? Where is Carmichael? And it's just his like grainy face. Like, this guy's a dirty cop. Yeah. Awesome. So good. Yeah. So she live streams it somehow or sends a video to the news. And then the whole thing on like a collage of screenshots and like Twitter um, talking about Oh, Riley North is awesome. I would do the same thing. Like, right. Very, very indicative of what, if this were to actually happen, like very, very prophetic, I think. It reminded me, the Boondock Saints kind of did it first at the end of the movie when um, they're interviewing people like man on the street. Like, what do you think of what the Saints did? And they're like, they should be in every city. I love them. And then other people are like, terrible, despicable, disgusting. Right. Um, so it was cool to see it kind of updated for, you know, the times. Well, I definitely like how they integrated the news and like the video form. Like there's, and I don't think I ever figured out why there was a like screenwriting seminar that I took at one point and they're like, never write news in your, cause it makes it too big. It makes it too broad. Like everybody watches the news and audience watches the mo- news and they can get kind of confused. Like, oh, here's a news story, but I never really hear it. It's probably why audience members are like, did this actually happen? Because I saw the news <laughs> oh, story. Because of the- yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. What do you mean never write news? They that say that like, it's one of those faux pas of screenwriting is like, if you, unless it's like a Marvel movie where the whole world's involved or anything like that. Like if you write a news story or like a news report on like a small town thing Mm -hmm. for whatever reason it confuses the audience or it makes the film feel like it's supposed to be much bigger than it actually is like a story oh so you're saying like the mechanism of a news report yeah sort of like throws off the story yeah throws off like the realism so it's not like don't write dialogue for a news reporter to say it's more like don't include that don't include yeah Because it's like ultra that realism that yeah, like throws off that the suspension sense. of disbelief. Unless it's a news anchor played by an actor that you know from other movies. Like then you can kind of suspend the disbelief a little bit better. Yeah. You know what Which I mean? goes to like, I, I don't know if I ever brought it up on the show. I think we have. I think we talked about it where I'm like, we should elect one president for four years, like one film president for four years. And so for four years, that's the president. In, in every films. movie? Yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> That and is a fucking brilliant idea. You should do that for news reporters, you know, like, but I feel like Morgan Freeman should have been president of the United States for four years. I <laughs> could, you know, that's, I mean, I, I, man, now let's take a minute. Um, I don't know. I'm, my first instinct is Bill Pullman from Independence Day, but I know that that's just kind of emotional. Talking. Oh, that's good. I mean, it's not a bad pick, but I, I'm. How cool would it be if like Bill Pullman was in like some random other movie and be like, you know what happened two years ago and we defeated that problem. Right. <laughs> just like, so it would be like, it, it's almost like an MCU kind of thing where they're all connected via the president. Yeah. Interesting. And who did you say? Morgan Freeman? I from, thought Morgan uh, from He did Deep Impact, right? He was Deep Impact. Wasn't he also um, President Has Fallen? Those movies? Yeah. L- London, London Has, has Fallen, fallen and, and everything. That is a connection to this movie. Really? I think the director did London Has Fallen. Oh, I thought you meant like a universe connection. <laughs> like, really? There's a Peppermint Cinematic Universe? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is awesome. Now the writer. Um, where were we going with that? 
we started oh, talking news. about the news. Oh, and yeah. then so they incorporated it at the end. And I was like, because when it first came on, I was like, oop, they're breaking that rule. And then mm. when she was live streaming it all, I was like, oh, nice. Like, perfect. Good job. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it, and again, it showed that you hate to champion what the vigilante does because it's killing a lot of people, you know, to go off on an even further tangent, like, yeah, they're drug dealers and stuff. And yeah, they do terrible things. They also have kids. The kids are going to be sad. <laughs> Wives, mothers, fathers, all those kinds of things. It's not like they were innocent. They were certainly complicit in, in their in their decisions. But also, she just killed like 100 people in two days. So having people be like, fuck yeah, there's a little ickiness to it. Yeah. Know? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, maybe it would have been better if she just embarrassed them instead of killing them. <laughs> like, kind of like she tried to do with the, the dirty cop. Well. But he got killed, right? He got killed. To make an argument for her, she wanted to just put I it on the news. I love this discussion. I love this debate. <laughs> she wanted to put it on the news, right? And then just hang out on the top of the building. And right. that's when he grabbed Maria, the little girl, homeless girl, and said, right. if you don't come out, I'm going to shoot her in five seconds. That's kind of when we glossed over that Peppermint has been set up in a uh, van on Skid Row, which is in L.A. Yep. It's like a homeless, homeless village. Homeless camp, kind yeah. of, yeah. And <laughs> this was really cool, I thought. Kind of cool, kind of corny when they, they're going, they're trying to figure out like what's happening they're trying to figure out where she is so they're looking at crime patterns all around the city and blah 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 and it was almost again just super heavy-handed they show a map of everything and there's this giant empty space right in the middle and one of the guys it might have been the dirty cop was like what's that yeah. <laughs> and the other guy's like that's skid row how is there no crime in skid row and then every computer glitch it must computer glitch but also everybody's like oh and then you find out she's well we knew but then they find out that she's living in a van um in skid row and these two a brother and sister are kind of like not like a scout finch kind of thing where like you see things through the eyes of of the the little girl but they were kind of like they weren't narrators but they were like was it it wasn't like newt from aliens it was like um i don't know i can't come up with it but anyway that she she kind of she doesn't really befriend them she kind of like she acknowledges them and you know protects them and it, you know we're it's like a mafia don you know like you don't talk to the don because the kids are like they waved and the kids like don't wave to her and right, she just yeah. kind of like closes the curtains she's kind of so she she's there but she doesn't really like she obviously acknowledges that there are people around but she's also you're good with like words what's what's the word of like a relationship between two things that like would ultimately kill each other if they could, but they don't because they know to exist in the same environment. You know what I'm thinking? Like crocodiles and symbiotic symbiotic relationship. I don't think that's it. Okay. Symbiotic is where like one uh, acts as a host and the other one benefits off of it. Would she be the host and the Skid Row is benefiting off of it? So they have like a symbiotic um, relationship? I don't think it's a symbiotic relationship. Like, like a mutually beneficial relationship? Yeah. Like uh, like the birds that pick the mites out of the ears of the rhinos. And so yeah. the rhinos don't have mites and the birds get something to eat. Mutualistic. 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 That's, that's their relationship. Mutualistic. That makes sense. So the end of the movie. But oh. <laughs> before we get there, before she has to do all that, one of the things that I really liked that this movie did was Diego has... A hitman, right? A polo shirt wearing hitman mm-hmm. guy. And he's like one of, his muscle. Yeah. yeah. And he's one of the first people that go into the building and she throws. Well, the first person gets like a dumpster thrown on him, which mm-hmm. I was like, awesome. <laughs> and then she still was like straight out of Toontown. <laughs> <laughs> she steals his gun and his flashbang grenade uh-huh. and rigs it. So the flashbang goes off and then she shoots the two henchmen first before the polo shirt wearing guy. Mm-hmm. Now, Hollywood would have it where that polo shirt guy lives a little bit longer and is more of a thing. But no, she just headshots oh, there would him. Be, there would be like a big showdown between yeah. them before she gets to the final boss. But no, she flashbanged him and she has him dead to right, so she gets rid of him. And I'm like, man, I like this movie. It's good. It's like it's it was, um, she equalized him. And same thing with the main, the, the bad guy, bo- uh, the main boss too. Like everybody was on a level playing field in terms of who she could take out mm-hmm. and how she could do it. Long story short, Jennifer Garner wins in spectacular fashion. And then it's kind of left to the imagination of what happens. I do like her last line. We're not, is that her last line? We're not going to jail. Because that. he says like, you're going to spend more time in jail than I will. And she goes, we're not going to jail. And then he like, she headshots who? the bad guy. Oh, Diego Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. And then the police shoot her. But she. Oh, that's not her last line because then she goes to the gravesite. <laughs> right. Please just let me die. I can't do that. This isn't where the story ends. 
it is for me. And this is my problem with the movie. Right. Or the police. Let her die. It's what she wants. She wants to be with her family again. Okay. And he's like, I can't do that. And so he saves her life. And I'm like, man, like she just wanted to be uh, out. Yeah, that's it. That's I hadn't I hadn't thought of that. She does kind of just wanna like she's done what she came here to do. Yeah. She just kind of wants to bounce. And he waffles because he's like, no, no, no. I got to keep you alive, right? As a good policeman, I guess. But then he like, it's said in the news that the new DA or whatever is going to go after her for charges and all the homicides that she committed. So what do you think the Peppermint sequel would have been? Well, that's the thing is like, they don't really give her a bad guy. I feel like this is a test audience thing, right? Like she dies at the end. Test audiences were like, this isn't, this doesn't make me happy. You okay, know, I'm like, so right. they had to give it a happy ending because the hospital scene seems like a tack on, right? But they also, the hospital scene doesn't give her a bad guy. Like Peppermint 2 could either be two things. Could be continuing to protect Skid Row, becoming mm-hmm. the Peppermint Batman of, of Skid Row. Pepperman, yep. <laughs> <laughs> or there was the guy that Diego Garcia was dealing with who like said like, don't forget who put you here. But that would be the obvious one, like the bigger drug yeah. pin, like so, whoever Diego Garcia's boss was. Right. So that would be Peppermint too. Interesting. Well, we didn't get a Peppermint too. No. One, one of the reasons is that it was not well received by critics. You got any reviews up there? So Rudy's going to read one at the beginning. Okay. And his deals with, his is the top review of Metacritic. And that was like 65% out of 100. It's right in our wheelhouse. Um, what they didn't like was it was a white woman going after Latinos. I suppose the <laughs> listeners can't hear me rolling my eyes. <laughs> I mean, did the Latinos not go after her family and murder the children? Well, and like, she doesn't just go after Latinos because she goes after the white judge. The judge, the lawyer, (laughs) the dirty cop, the system. Yeah. So That's that's a bit of a stretch for me. But everybody else, lack of originality was what the review. That's why it's that 13%. We've seen this before. And this is like, my problem is like, this is a genre. Yeah. Like, so saying like you've seen a genre before, <laughs> like doesn't compute, you know, like you can't be like, oh, I've seen ghosts before in a movie. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the, it's like a cake. I've eaten a cake before, but I've eaten some that were really good. Some that were really bad. Some that were decorated really awesome. Some that look like shit. Like yeah. a cake I, on the inside side is kind of like the genre and the you know the decoration and the frills and stuff like that's what makes the movie fun i mean even right? the log line is like completely original like a mother avenges her family by going after the ms-13 cartel like i've never seen that before and or since it's just a plot summary <laughs> i don't know man it's got to be miserable to be a critic it does like it really really does well and here's the other thing this is how you know that the mo- movie is better than what the critics say 13 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes 70% audience score. Yeah. Like anything that is 50% difference on the audience's favor, you know it's a better movie than the critics are giving it. But like they That's did the job. every review that I skimmed over and whatnot, couldn't say enough good things about Jennifer Gardner. Well, so that's good. When you have a vigilante movie, like it all, the charisma and the, you know, the way in which the main character, the vigilante engages you, like that's 90% of it. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on the, we've seen this before. Well, yeah. What is the last new genre? Found footage? Like that's the last thing I can remember. Yeah, maybe. And that's not even really a genre. That's more like a cinematography kind of technique, right? I always feel like the last new genre, or yeah, the last new genre would be realistic sci-fi. Like the Ad Astra. Gravity. uh, Gravity, Interstellar. You know, like things that are trying to be like rooted in realism in the science fiction genre. Maybe, yeah. But again, like it all comes back to like here's a main character, here's the obstacle, obstacle, obstacle. Resolution, antagonist, like I don't know, critics are weird. (laughs) Critics are weird. They The one that's Surprised me the most that railed against the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. Read that, please. <laughs> so I really just like kind of dug deep. I didn't deep even know that was a thing. They nominated, a- nominated her for an award. For this movie? For this movie. Okay. She, uh, actress in the most need of a better agent was what they... Oh, that's but, like, kind of a backhanded award, isn't so, it? Yeah. So, but like this whole thing is like... <laughs> so back up a little bit. 2018, the one trivia piece that I 
found like, oh, that's weird, was the film was made during the height of the Me Too controversy, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, which immediately caused some noticeable changes on set, according to Jennifer Garner. Normally, she had no trouble changing her outfit on the set with crew members present. However, with story after story of sexual intimidation and abuse scandals in Hollywood, she requested the use of a special changing room after several crew members became uncomfortable with the old situation. So Jennifer Garner, like, continued the whole thing and was like, totally comfortable, but because she saw other people uncomfortable with her changing on set, she requested a changing room. So it's like, another story of me being like, Jennifer Garner is just so empathetic to the people around her. She's an angel. Why does she need a new agent, though? So then enter the Alliance of Women Filter. (laughs) Okay. So as we're going through the Me Too movement and women trying to protect women, and everybody just trying to protect women, but women trying to protect women more so, Mm -hmm. you have this like weird alliance founded in 2006. It is based in New York City and is dedicated to supporting work by, dedicated to supporting work by and about women in the film industry. Okay. So tell, so. With you so far. It's composed of 84 professional female movie Critics, journalists, and feature writers working in print, broadcast, and online media. How many? 84. Okay. It says is they're all it's international, but it's mostly American. So beginning in 2007, the group annually gives awards to the best, but also worst in film as voted on by its members. Like the Razzies kind of? Yeah. Okay. So if you have a group dedicated to supporting women, why would you also incorporate the worst awards, right? I'm not a woman, um, <laughs> but I know that if I was going to try and champion a cause like that, I'd probably stay away from stuff that was not doing that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So the EDA, which is named in honor of AWFJ founder Jennifer Murren's mother, actress Ida Rice Marin, is an acronym for Excellent Dynamic Activism. But the EDA Special Mention Awards are these. There's the Hall of Shame Award given out annually. How is that an award? Actress most in need of a new agent, which Jennifer Garner was nominated for this year. She lost to Jennifer Lawrence in Red Sparrow. This Um, year, you mean 2018? Yeah, 2018. Movie you wanted to love, but just couldn't. Award? For Peppermint? No. Oh. Unforgettable Moment Award. The Best Depiction of Nudity, Sexuality, or Seduction Award. That's a, like a bad award? Yeah. Most Egregious Age Difference Between Leading Man and Love Interest Award. Okay. So. <laughs> There's on. more. No, hold on. That's, <laughs> that is a, that is a very specific award. <laughs> And it's not always given to the two that have the biggest age difference. Most egregious is completely subjective. <laughs> if it, I mean, if it's a difference in a numerical quantity of years, that should just be the most years, right? Yeah. Like egregious is completely... Okay. But I like how it's like best leading man in love interest. So it's always the man that's going to be oldest, right? Well, does it have to be... I guess it's an, since it's a, a women-centered association, it couldn't be like a gay couple, right? It would have to be Well, they did put love interest instead of like... That's why I female. was wondering. Yeah. It didn't say it said man and it didn't say female. So, okay, keep going, I guess. <laughs> the Bravest Performance Award, which sounds cool. This feels like at, at a camp, like when you need to give every kid an award <laughs> and you have to start making them up by the end. Like the Sunshine Award for <laughs> the kid who brightens our day. Like Best Leap from Actress to Director Award. How many of those are there? <laughs> Cultural Crossover Award. I don't know. What does that even mean? I don't know. Or the Sequel or Remake That Shouldn't Have Been Made Award. And then Best Ghostbusters the best. 2016. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wait, 2016. Hold on. Give me a moment. Uh, you're going to look up and see if they... If they, if they were even nominated. The, I would be so interested to hear this because of the controversy surrounding that movie, you know, that all the mouth breathers were like, oh, it's a female cast and blah, blah, blah. But this is an association devoted to championing women in cinema. In a way. But that movie was garbage. <laughs> I will say that in a way, because I don't necessarily believe that if you're going to endlessly support, you should also knock down well, at the same I, time. I say dedicated to championing as they seem to report, though <laughs> though taking a deeper dive into the facts, it seems that maybe not. 2016, um, actress most in need of a new agent, Jennifer Aniston won that year. But Melissa McCarthy was on for The Boss and Ghostbusters. Okay. Uh-huh. What was, did, what was Bravest <gasps> Performance? Oh, shit. You found gold, didn't you? Sequel or remake that should have <laughs> been made award? Ghostbusters was nominated. Oh, uh, what one? Ben-Hur. Uh, which I brought up in Rushmore. You did, yeah. Rushmore. Uh, Independence Day Resurgence 
was nominated, The Magnificent Seven was nominated, and My Big Fit Greek Wedding 2 was nominated. But Ghostbusters <laughs> was nominated. Apparently. Hashtag Rudy is wrong. Hashtag Rudy not as woke. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Rudy, we've got the, what's the association called? Uh, the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. Is on our side. <laughs> What was the bravest performance? What what constitutes a brave performance? In 20, like I'm thinking, are we talking 2016 or 2018? I mean, just in general, like what was the 2016 one? So I can get an idea of what they think a brave performance. Might be. Isabel Huppert for L. It's a French film. She gets above my pay grade. Let me look at 20. Look at another one. <laughs> I mean, because of course I'm thinking like Brokeback Mountain or probably. I don't know what the Hall of Shame is. We're not about shaming here. We don't want to... Second Chance Cinema is an inclusive podcast. We're not about... I mean, 2018, the Hall of Shame. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein. Okay, yeah, that that I get. That I get. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, but that's not a movie or a character or a... That's like a a real life thing. Is that what they do for Hall of Shame? Like, like would they have... Yeah, 2020, the Hall of Shame went to Christopher Nolan for insisting that Tenet be screened exclusively in theaters during a pandemic. I can kind of get that. But I mean, like... Harvey Weinstein's a little bit better of an example. (laughs) The HFPA was the Hall of Shame for 2019 for excluding women nominees in major Golden Globe categories. In 2020, the Golden Globes would be shown to have not one African-American member. (laughs) So it's like... So did they give it to... Did they give it to Will Smith for this year, probably? (laughs) 2021. Or maybe they (laughs) haven't released it yet. Wait, 2021? You're nodding like I should know what this is. Let me think. 2021? Let me know if you want hints. Give me one hint. Life or death. Life or death? In the entertainment industry. Something else to do with COVID? Death. Give me another hint. 30 Rock. Oh, yes. (laughs) Alec Baldwin. So the Hall of Shame Award in 2021 went to the producers, crew, and cast of Rust for not following proper safety protocol and causing the tragic death of cinematographer Ms. Hutchins. That is... What a slap in the face that instead of like, what's the word? What's the word called? The Hall of Shame? Mm-hmm. That is like the goofiest shit ever <laughs> that they're applying to this woman dying. I don't know if I support these people. <laughs> I don't not support them. I think they need a group conscience and they need to realign the values and the descriptions through which they and the criteria for these awards. Because on one hand, like we've got Harvey Weinstein, sexual predator. On the other hand, we've got... Alec Baldwin and the crew causing the death of a cinematographer. And then we've got Christopher Nolan for making a movie come out in the theaters. Doesn't all add up. You know? It's like a sliding scale, I feel like. So you still didn't tell me what's a brave performance? I, Natalie Portman, Black Swan, won. I don't know, because she was a lesbian? She played a, because it, another nominated was Annette Benning and Julianne Moore, who played a lesbian couple, a straight women playing lesbian couple. I don't know. That was 2010. It's hard. It's Monique in Precious. One over Gabori Sidibe for Precious. I think I would probably give it to Gabori. I have a serious question. What movie are we talking about on this episode? <laughs> we were talking about, yeah, okay, Peppermint. Peppermint, that's right, that's right, that's right, Peppermint. Jennifer Gardner does not need a new agent. No, this movie he, was fantastic. I think the association needs a new... The um, Alliance. The Alliance sort of needs a new Magna Carta or something to describe exactly what it is they're trying to do. Are you trying to celebrate women in film or like... Are you trying to throw in a few zingers here and there to just spice things up? I don't quite get it. It's weird, too, because they, like, specify it's for Peppermint. Like, because of Peppermint, Jennifer Garner needs a new agent. False. (laughs) False. Because of Peppermint, like, solidified Jennifer Garner as the most badass, I think, woman action hero? I'd have to think about that. I mean... Off the top of your head. Uh, I was going Sigourney Weaver and Aliens, but... But she hasn't... She's not still oh, right. right. If we're talking about current, yes. Um, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. But... Cartoony. Yeah. All that said, this is a movie that should not be slept on. Should certainly not be just <laughs> ripped shreds the way it seems to have been. Um, because, like, yeah, it's a vigilante movie, and yeah, that's a genre. And yeah, it might even be a tired genre, but... But it's still comfort foodie. It works. And in this movie, it worked pretty well, I thought. Absolutely. All that said, what have we learned from this episode? Jennifer Garner is a treasure. Treasure. Just a treasure. Treasure. A treasure to Cleveland. A treasure to Skid Row. If you trust us, 
Peppermint is a great movie. But also, if you like John Wick and all the other movies that we put out there, you're definitely going to like Peppermint. Absolutely. Um, and we've also learned that... Critics suck. That if you are invited to rob a cartel, you're going to die. Well, don't, don't, don't wiffle waffle. Don't waffle on that even if you Even if you say no, <laughs> those guys are the baddest asses in the world and I respect them and I want nothing to do with this and I, would, I will tell everyone not to mess with them, you're still going to die. <laughs> like, that's basically what we've learned. Yeah, don't mess with the cartels. That's scary. I hope no one ever approaches me. I want to make my... That's my new goal in life is to make myself so unapproachable by people who would think to rob a cartel so that I never fall into this conundrum. I feel like that raises your conundrum. Why? Because if you're so unapproachable, then you're no, obviously... No, I want them to be like... I want them to be <laughs> like, yeah, that guy will never do it. Let's not even ask him. Because <laughs> then I won't get put into that situation. So I think we learned that the mafia, not that bad. Cartels? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to say it. <clears throat> do you think they're going to listen to this and come for us? I don't know. Uh, do they... They probably don't like Peppermint as a movie. Doesn't well, it show definitely, them in a great light. It, it definitely gives them zero equity in terms of like... <laughs> Like credibility, like man, if if Jennifer Garner took down the entire drug cartel, then you guys need to re rethink some things. Maybe the critics, get that logistics department into a into a war room and start thinking shit out. Maybe the cartels in the critics, the movie critics. Aha! Maybe the That's cartel paid off the critics. Yeah, there it is. We've wrapped <laughs> this episode up nicely. Maybe the cartel paid off the critics so that people wouldn't see this movie. Judges, lawyers, critics. Judges, lawyers, movie critics. The alliance of um, the alleged. Yeah, the alleged. Um, okay. Yeah, I think we've wrapped this up nicely. Peppermint, go check it out. It is worth your time and certainly under the radar. Any final thoughts? That's it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. We hope that you will be safe at any county fair you attend. You know, again, just, uh, we didn't talk about the neighbor. We did, but we didn't sort of like celebrate the fact that Jennifer Garner made her piss her pants because man, the neighbor just gets it well. Like, and it's, it's, you almost forget about that because Mm -hmm. of all the turmoil going on. And then she goes to her house to like patch up her wounds or whatever. And you're like, oh, this lady, what's going to happen? And Jennifer Garner ties her to a chair and basically fucks with her yeah. until she pisses her pants. And last and then, fact. And then she makes fun of her. She's like, oh, I forget her name. is like Peg or something. She's Peg. Like, How embarrassing, Peg. <laughs> you pissed yourself. Oh, yeah. End with that. That's good. Yeah. But another fun fact. Yeah. She uses a maxi pad, right, to, to cover up her wounds. That's right. And the trivia was maxi pads were developed for that express purpose. Oh, yeah. And women took them over because of periods. Battlefield. Man, we obviously that in his if in history, if we were a really great gender, right, inventing shit, we would have discovered probably that women could have used it first <laughs> and then been like, you know what, this is great for bullet holes. But instead we're like, dude, this stops war wounds. Yeah. Oh. It sounds like maxi pads need to get a new agent, is what it sounds like to me. <laughs> so <laughs> Alright. Second chance cinema, thanks for hanging out with us. We will be back and uh, we appreciate you. Yep. Peace. Later. Riley? Good evening, Pay. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or like to recommend a movie for a future show, you can reach us at secondchancecinema at gmail.com. That's 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And if it's not a beautiful day outside, stay in and rediscover a gem from the past.